Do you trade? Uh, a- I guess you traded AVGR. I saw. I saw that one picture. You, you got that quick spike up to eleven. Oh, yesterday. Yeah. No, just this morning. It's quick spike up to eleven. Oh, yeah. Also, after hours as well. Did it? Did it? Yeah, go you got 12? that one as well, right oh, up yeah, to twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you see that? Uh, I was in uh, RT's chat. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm in his chat too. I lurk around. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know where I posted what I posted. <laughs> I, I was like, what? What? How are you? Why are you still trading? Like, how are you still looking at the market? Out and after oh. hours. It's only worth it if you work for it. It's only worth it if you work for it. I won't stop till they hear me now. I won't stop till I wear the crown. I what was I doing yesterday? I was uh I was just hanging out. I I uh you know I trade in the morning, I go to the gym, I do my stuff. Lately I've been doing pretty well to um not come back later. Um Yesterday, I did, and I took one trade on DTOC as CCG was squeezing up, going crazy. Um, yeah. I took a trade on DTOC. I can start sharing my screen. Why not? Yeah. Uh, well, the host disabled it, and the host doesn't seem to be here. So, um, yep. <laughs> uh, I took one trade on DTOC where it had halted down at like 28. 2835 or something like that and it resumed flat 2835 so i took 300 yeah. shares and i got filled on the ask at 2930 um and <laughs> i was like the only person who bought anything uh next minute i know it's down at 2550 and i'm bailing for an 1100 loss no uh-huh. um but then a few minutes later it started squeezing back up i took a trade from 30 300 shares again i took some out at like 31 something going into the halt up and then it resumed at 35 so i managed oh and actually i'm uh i'm in this dt ck right now which is garbage unsurprisingly it's an american ipo um one second straight into the halt down awesome um i took the halt going up on dtoc and i went from a negative 1100 to negative 350 on it at least um and then i was just hanging out just doing my afternoon stuff i had a meeting i was still just in front of my computer doing other things uh, like YouTube, I started seeing AVGR squeezing and I got in at like 879 and got out with the last of my shares for like a few dollars a share. But then I tried to buy the pullback and it wasn't a pullback. It just went straight down as you yeah. saw. Um, so I, I made another thousand on that move up and then I gave half of that back. So it was like kind of frustrating that it just went straight down, but at least I still made 500 more than I had before I took those trades. So yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Quick um, question for you on that, on that trade. I'm actually curious. Yes. Let me mute. What'd you say? Um, 
Yeah, just a just a quick question on what you saw on that trade on after hours. How did how did you like clearly I saw some entries that you took yeah. on that stock that was so like so extended in extended. like a market. Yeah, that in a market that isn't very fares very well um with the front one- side parabolic moves. So I was just curious, like, what are you seeing on the level two to get in at that level? There was like, one specific thing that I saw, which was a 25,000 share bid that okay. continued pushing it higher. And I saw it come in in like the sevens and low eights. Uh-huh. Um, and and like you just said, I was like, there's no way I can get in up here. Um, and then I saw it come back in. So I was like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you so you then you hit the you hit the market or the ask or you uh, can't do market so you had to do ask I, or I, bid right I don't remember but I would I would imagine I probably hit the ask it was all the blur <laughs> and then you were you were just kind of monitoring the level two to make mm-hmm. sure that order is still there as you're in the trade and then yeah pretty much if that like, order ever disappears to get sold into you sell into that. Exactly. Yeah, I was I took the trade because we saw it break. Well, now that Alex is here, maybe I can share my screen. <laughs> yeah, and that was the first thing I did uh, when, I, <laughs> when I got in. I was like, oh, no. Um, and this is going to resume at 0931. So I need to pay attention to that. DTCK. But... Yeah. Um, so that was this morning. This was yesterday. Um. So I saw it breaking out here and I was like, that's interesting. It's coming back to view up, but I didn't expect anything more than that out of it. And then once it started kind of getting into the mid sevens is where I started seeing some bids coming in and then, and then it broke high of day. Um, And it paused for a second, as you can see here, um, I can't remember if I was in in the 80s or at 79, but I was in right around here as I saw that 25,000 share bid come in. And then in that case, um, if I'm ever in a trade like this, especially after hours where I can't really bail that easily, um, this is the type of trade where I need to see it going immediately higher and like hopefully a lot higher pretty much the second I get into that trade. And it did. So... I was like, great, that was the right trade to take. And at that point, there's no adding. Uh, it's only scaling out as as it slows down on the way up. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't well, know why, but DOS doesn't really seem to show trades from the day before. Uh, see if I can get back there and see that yeah unfortunately i do have a screenshot of it you, you have the screenshot or probably on uh trader view it probably shows that as well yeah um but yeah that's just like a very that's a ballsy trade that's a ballsy trade after hours <laughs> it was for sure i wish that this wouldn't stop doing what it's doing <laughs> Uh, it should be opening in five seconds, though, nearly flat. And I'm out. So I took this trade here. 
actually that was a nice trade so this halted up i had zero interest in this earlier because it's an american ipo and when's the last time we saw an american ipo do anything interesting unfortunately mm -hmm. um but it halted up here it resumed at 649 uh pushed up to seven dipped i bought at 630 smaller size because i didn't want to ruin my day and then i sold through here but i was holding uh just 100 shares of the 800 that i bought going into this halt and i should have sold i guess but i wasn't expecting it to have just an entire retracement candle um so it's looking like it's trying to test the upside now but yeah. um avgr yesterday see uh where would it be trades no it'd be let's see it should be under viewing a trade at specific trade yeah um so that was that was this one yeah there you go Here it is. wow yeah, well, that's the crazy. that's the more yeah that was oh it doesn't show it doesn't show after hours huh there might be an option for that it doesn't show it at all does it go to that i forgot about that on the bottom right go to what yeah the, there yeah there's this gear icon Let me see. It's okay. uh, time zones no session because no. on the actual trader uh trading view you can yeah. add pre-market um, yeah but I guess uh, no. Okay, I wonder, don't think you can here. That's that's unfortunate. It could be under classic charts too. What's that? Yeah, I looked at that. That's just their old charts that they show, uh -oh. which which are pretty uh -oh. nice as well. I like these charts. They are nice, yeah, but it doesn't seem to be They're showing great to what print. I want it to. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate, but. Um, yeah, I did well on that. I had some nice trades on that. So I got in just with my one entry at wherever it was, I think 879. Um, sold here just as it popped over nine, sold, sold, sold all the way up. Oh, yeah. Got a nice exit there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So I missed the first part, Danny. How's how's the like running PL going in general over the last um week? like since last week? Yeah, since the little bit of a headache you've had, which I've also had last yeah. week for me was traumatizing as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the first couple of days in a row that I've had since I had that major red day and kind of tougher streak. Um I've been doing pretty well since i mean last week was decent overall in terms of like green versus red days i actually finally only had one red day last week on wednesday and it was manageable it was like 600 oh, um nice. yeah like that's a very normal very acceptable red day for me um and then friday i don't remember how friday went how did friday go 600 i only traded arm on friday it was super slow but i still had a 
half decent green day. Um, and then yesterday was pretty solid. I ended up at 1500 and today I am just over 3000 with that DTCK trade right there. Um, so yeah, I am seemingly picking up some steam, but I am just being really conscious and mindful trying to be, um, I've been talking with my friend Max, who uh, he's one of the other like verified profitable guys at Warrior. He actually has a million dollar badge um, and he's super young. He's like 22. But oh, nice. uh, he and I probably trade the most similar out of any of the other like Warrior mentors. And we're both in a drawdown for September and both having the same exact things going on. Um, I've been watching a lot of videos from Lance Breitstein lately, especially, and um, they've been super helpful for me, I think, just on mindset. And like I started doing a daily report card last week, um, and I'm just trying to be really specific about the trades that I'm taking, like always asking myself, is this a trade that I really want to be in because I think that it's going to help my day, my PL, or am I trading it just because it's sort of price action or because I'm here or because I'm bored? Um, so Max and I have both been talking about, we're both in a drawdown. I am in probably like a 12, 11 to $12,000 hole for September now, which is better than it was. And it's starting to look like maybe I can get out of it at this point before the end of the month. He's in a like $25,000 drawdown, which is the same boat for him uh, with the size that he trades. So uh, we were just talking today about all we need is just a couple solid days and try to avoid the mistakes in between. Um, and that's really it. The mistakes in between have been tough lately, but um, I feel finally with a couple solid days, like I'm starting to get in tune and in touch and a little more confidence back. So um, it hasn't been easy. The price action on AVGR today was not easy, but it gave some really nice opportunity, some really nice range. Um, and yeah. in my opinion, it was pretty clear when it was going to squeeze. Um, yeah, I agree with that, actually. There was it, it was kind of like a little bit of a buildup and you can but it was it yeah. was holding support zones and started yeah. turning higher again. The major thing, the major clue for me on APGR that maybe it was going to squeeze or at least have a strong candle like this um, was just how it was completely holding up despite the rejections. Um, you know, we had this push out of the open. And actually, I, I made the mistake of trading at pre-market. I took three-ish trades on at pre-market <clears throat> for a loss on every single one. <clears throat> So I came into the market open down like 275 on it, which is small for me. That's fine. Um, my first trade off of like this dip into the opening push, got myself up to 800 on it, took my hands off as it did this. And then as it kept coming up here and testing and topping tails, <clears throat> but continuing to hold, um, I took this trade 
and sold into this push. The only problem on AVGR was these big rejections as it had this move. Um, I took this trade here, I think from like 1020 and sold, I think I got some out over 11. Um, but like, despite these huge rejections, it was still holding up and not breaking down and then starting to curl. And then it had huge spikes, but you had to be really quick to sell into them. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Pre-market <clears throat> has been really tough lately. And I guess to add to what you were saying about avoiding the, the, the nasty stuff, right? Avoiding, are you bored right now? Uh, why are you taking this trade? Last week, I don't know what happened to me, but I got on tilt or something. And I, you know, I ended the week down like 3,500 roughly. Yeah. And I was like all, so I was taking so many really bad trades. And so today or Monday, I came into the market saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to stick around till 730 if nothing is tradable. So like, if I'm not, you know, trading a decent front side, I'm going to walk away till market opens. So like 10 minutes before the market opens. And I did that Monday and today that allowed me just to give myself a little space and calm down and do something else because Lately, I've noticed my biggest problem is just market exposure. It's that simple. Sitting around and staring at charts that are you yeah. know, doing nothing. That's how I'm getting into trouble. So I was like, I need to cut that totally out. So yeah, yeah. Focus, I totally focus agree. on the best stuff and otherwise limit my exposure. Today, I think I walked away slightly too soon. I didn't get that last you know, breakout fake out on AVGR, which I think there was a mm -hmm. lot of problems. I kind of walked away around 10 o'clock. So I think if I stayed another 10 minutes or so. Yeah, that, that big spike over 11 that I was just showing. Yeah, that was a nice spike. And I'm pretty sure I could have done that one well because I had the anticipation we were going to break over 1050 and I was very sure it was going to be a fake out breakout. So yeah. I think I would have traded it right. Uh, yeah. But I've just been giving back so many profits like going, you know, up a couple hundred or up a thousand and then like going deep. Like I had, you know, $2,400 red day out of $1,400 red day, like really nasty. So I was like, I need to give myself a little space, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good to recognize them. I feel like the first step is recognizing it. And then you're like, man, I think I probably would have hit that decently well. And then um, the, the problem with this market, I feel like is those moves are happening at like really different times each day yeah, um that's like true. yesterday avgr was holding up really well um and i just felt like it was gonna squeeze and but i didn't want to wait around the whole day for it to squeeze so i went to the gym and um like halfway through my workout i checked my phone and i was like it's doing it um <laughs> so so classic me i took a thousand shares on my phone <laughs> nice um, I got like 10 cents out of it. So like, I guess at least I felt like I got something on it. Um, that's though. but that's the problem right now is sometimes those moves are happening at 7am more often than not. They're happening at like 10 or 11, nine or 10 or 11. Um, and then they just fade through power hour, which sucks. Uh, it's very weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, yeah, it's been difficult. Um, I just keep thinking, though, and going back to 
some stuff that Lance talks about essentially, which is when you go through these tougher periods, if you can really actively put some focus onto what you're doing wrong and how to improve it and get better, all that is happening is you're increasing your long-term overall expected value. And from the work that I've been doing so far, I feel like I am actually realizing that profit-wise and at the very least, it makes me feel a little better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> do you follow yeah. Lance on Twitter or do you have a Twitter? No, I have Twitter, but uh, I really don't use it. And the more that Elon screws it, the yeah. less I want to use it. So <laughs> you, you should, uh, if you do use it, you should just turn on the notifications for Lance because his posts yeah. on Twitter are super good. Like he'll talk about how uh, he'll be like, um, whenever you're implementing a solution to a problem, like take that as far as you possibly can. And he's like, for mm -hmm. example, here's one of the traders that we have at our desk. He yeah. overtrades. So his solution is uh, like at 1030, you have an alarm on your phone that tells you to stop trading. And then Lance was like, well, what he <laughs> should do. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> He's like, what he should do is like to completely eliminate distractions. He should have apps on his phone that that limit his amount of screen time he can have on his phone. And then he has like an alarm clock that goes off at 1030. It's not a normal alarm clock. It's one that actually sits on your desk. That's going to shake and vibrate. That's literally like physical, you know, on in yeah. your face. And then he has like, whenever you have the alarm clock go off, you have to write like four reasons why you're either over trading or under, you know what I mean? It's like, take yeah. it 10 steps further than like yeah. the first step. And that would like make it even more effective. But I know that he frequently references Atomic Habits, which I have not fully finished yet, but I I started it. Um, I forget if it was like months ago. I think it was just months ago. Um, and I have like two hours left on the audiobook, So I'm most of the way through. Uh, and I've kind of started listening to it again. But one of the major things that he and James Clear kind of preach is like whenever you're trying to change a habit or break a habit, um, it's all about how much friction there is with that habit. Um, so like if you're trying to watch TV less, put the remote in the other room or take the batteries out, put the batteries in the other room. Or even if you want to go to extremes, move the TV out of the room and move it back in when you want to watch TV. Um, and I think about that and... I think about like my biggest issue probably is not necessarily trading too much. It's over trading when there is no edge. Um, and I haven't so far found a real good solution for like putting actual friction on that. Cause as long as I'm sitting here, uh, like there's no nothing stopping me from pressing buttons. So I don't know. I don't know what ideas there might be to like put friction on that, or if it's just something that I need to get better at, which yeah, I, I find it so hard. That's why I was saying before yeah. I literally closed my, or I don't know if I said it before, but the whole seven 30 thing, if there was nothing moving by then, cause I'm typically a pre-market yeah. focused trader. I closed my TOS because before I was like, yeah, I'm not going to trade pre-market if there's no setup. And then there'd be like those like, you know, crap volume, little weasels trying to break VWAP. And I would trade that crap. And then before you know it, I'm down to like, you know, a thousand bucks pre-market doing like trading nonsense. Yeah. 
And I, I, I was like, okay, if TOS is open, I see my charts, I'm going to trade anything that moves because sometimes you have to take stabs before it works. That's just how it goes. So I literally had to close my TOS and then it's fine. You know, even if I see someone say something in the discord, I typically can relax and like not get FOMO. It's this, if it's, if my TOS is open, that's the, that's the pivot for me. So I guess that's in terms of uh, atomic habits. I read that book too. It's really good, but yeah, that's, that's how I make it a little bit more difficult. That's my barrier. That's tough because like if you add friction that you're uh, you're inevitably going to delete some edge because that 100%. you're if you're trading small caps like what are you gonna do turn the auto send off like you got to click an extra button to let the order go through well that wouldn't fucking work that's gonna immediately make you like not even a profitable trader so yeah. that's tough that's a hard thing to think about I like when he talks about how you should uh, always replace bad habits with another habit. Yeah, it's just healthier. Like, I think that's an awesome, that's something that, because you, so many people try to stop doing something and it's fucking yeah. impossible if you don't try to replace it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you guys ever watch Hey Arnold? Yeah. A little bit. Do you remember that kid <laughs> that was like obsessed with chocolate? Uh, it was like, um, he, he makes this weird breathing noise, right? I don't, I don't, <laughs> it might've been Stoop Kid. Uh, uh he was obsessed with chocolate he just he just was constantly stuffing his face face with chocolate and eventually one of the episodes they got him to transition to radishes <laughs> but that's what that makes me think of that's funny. <laughs> one thing about um i was, I was just gonna say one thing about um reducing uh over trading ever since i moved over to das what i like to do is when I log in, I only have my TD open, only the trade, only the charts, but I don't hmm. open my DAS until I actually see something. And so it does take like maybe about 30 seconds to load everything up and get everything ready. And by then, like <laughs> hopefully, you know, most of those stocks have dumped already and made its dump move and um, I don't have to trade any of it. But the that's one thing with, else. <laughs> the problem with DAS though is that it's such a lightweight program on my computer. I can click the uh the app icon and the login screen yeah. pops up and between clicking the icon and having everything up and ready it's like 10 seconds it's yeah ridiculous. it is pretty quick it is pretty <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> bunch of crack babies it's <laughs> 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 uh, so good yeah, we're just chasing here. we're just chasing our dopamine hits that's all that's yeah. all it is yeah. <laughs> that's what we want i've been i've been kind of thinking about that lately too cuz i can be hard on myself and um like one of my main goals that i'm so focused on right now is being able to buy a house maybe in the bay or just like in general at some point um you know i'm 31 it would be nice to own a house at some point in a, in a way that like financially makes sense. I don't think with the rates and all of that right now, that's a different discussion, but um, like buying a house is one of my main financial goals. And um, it can be easy to feel like that's far away, but at the same time, like it doesn't make any sense to be unsatisfied or unhappy with having a $3,000 day right now even though it feels like I probably need like a hundred more of those to buy a house. It's like, well, yeah. I can still be pretty happy today with that. And 
like what's the point of life if all you're thinking about is this goal that you have in the future um yeah uh i was watching uh a video on trading psychology how to handle fomo with dr steenbarger um mm -hmm. the other day and he was talking about how especially with trading it's dangerous and, and a bad idea to have your happiness tied only to your trading pnl like you need to have some other life pnl things going on aside from you know am i going to be happy today or sad today based on how i traded 100%. absolutely it's, do you guys find that like it's it's like even just yesterday I'm, i had a good trade and i just had a great day and by the end of the day i was like how much did that trade affect my happiness of the day and i and I, I have to really sit and think because i think it was a fucking lot like i genuinely think that it affected me a lot like i was just you know making lunch and i'm just like oh lunch you know fucking cooking and I'm just having a good time. yeah <laughs> fucking lunch sucks though when you lose a thousand dollars it's like yeah <laughs> you know it's like it's yeah. so hard to to fully detach that and i think mm -hmm. honestly it's gonna take 10 years before we're completely like I made ten thousand dollars today. I truly do not even give a fuck at all. I lost yeah. five thousand dollars today. I truly do not even think of it. Like it's not even part of your. It's just like you're moving like a robot for the first four hours of the day, and then like the rest of it's over. You know. It's it's funny you mentioned that because um, I was literally telling my girlfriend what was it like three or four days, um, like maybe it was Wednesday last week or something because I just had my big red day, and I was like, man, me. A couple of years ago, if I had a two and a half thousand dollar red day, I would have mm -hmm. been pretty upset. But we were walking mm -hmm. to the grocery store and I just I almost I was very desensitized. Like I didn't really care. Yeah. I was, of course, I'm frustrated because it's like, you know, the grind. And but I was like, in terms of actually thinking about the money, not one thought was going towards that. I really didn't care about the money. It was more of just like I was annoyed that it was just like kind of wasting my time in a slow. Yeah. market. It was more like that's why I was annoyed. Um, I totally I, agree with that. I, I noticed that and I was like, huh, like, wow, I'm kind of getting desensitized a little bit, which is, which I guess is great. I mean, <laughs> as yeah. long as you're you know, throwing money around, but yeah, I was, I was on tilt last, last week for sure. So I also, I think know. that it definitely takes some losses to kind of detach from that. And there's nothing wrong with being happy and having a good day. Cause you had a good day in the market. Yeah. Um, it's interesting and funny and kind of sucks a little bit but usually like i'm up 3100 or something like that today um which is an awesome day but i know that i don't feel as happy being up 3100 as i would feel upset if i were down 3100 yep oh yes which yep. always is the case and i try to keep that in mind uh especially on my red days of like try not to get too bent out of shape if i'm having a red day if i wouldn't be the same amount happy with however green i was in comparison that's that's a real psychological um i forget what uh, it's called there's like it's that's proven like loss feels worse than yeah winning like if you give someone yeah i don't know like five dollars but then you take away one it feels much worse than i don't they have a really good experiment about that i forgot i forgot I remember reading about it. Oh yeah, sorry. That's what I was just thinking. It, to take to take this idea a step further, I know it. I I step. I fell into that trap when I first started trading a lot. Is like I 
I suspended my happiness to yeah until I was like making some amount of money and, or being a full-time trader. I would suspend my happiness and I wouldn't allow myself to enjoy my everyday because I was yeah. always thinking about it. And the one thing holding me back from letting go of that idea was that if I were to let go of that, I would lose the motivation or I'd lose my intensity uh-huh. to be successful at this. And that's why I think a lot of people um, suspend their happiness is because of that yeah. extra kick in the ass that maybe they will, you know, if they suspend their happiness, they'll have that super like intensity or high motivation to um, to actually complete it or actually yeah. fulfill your goals. But I'm not sure. What do you guys think about that? Does that actually give you the motivation or uh, do you think being detached always is the best way to go? Well, it's that same issue that I was just talking about is like, I'll be happy when, but realistically yeah. that when is never going to come. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know that it's going to feel great someday to buy a house or buy a Ferrari or whatever it is, but then what? Like that's not my purpose in life. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's such a common issue is like, I'll be happy when this happens or this happens or whatever. Like I'll let myself feel happy or I won't be stressed when this happens. Um, like obviously money and making money can help with relieving stress or making you feel happy. Or like one of the things that I appreciate about making money in the market is that it helps me to take care of friends. Like I can host a dinner party and just not have to be like, Hey, can you guys all Venmo me 10 bucks? Um, and that makes me feel good because for a long time, I totally couldn't do that. And I had to think about every little thing. Like I was talking with my girlfriend that just this past weekend about, we saw pumpkins out at like Trader Joe's or something. And we were talking about carving pumpkins. And I had this memory from years ago when I was with my ex and we had bought pumpkins and then got into an argument about, uh, I thought that we were just going to carve them using like kitchen knives and she didn't want to carve them unless we bought the the carving kits, the spe- the little special <laughs> knives. And those were like 20 bucks each. And I was yeah. like, I, we already bought the pumpkins. I don't want to also spend money on knives when we have knives. Um, and we got in an argument about, about that. And like, that's the little stuff that the money brings that you know you just don't have to deal with anymore um yeah so. like the petty stuff the small stuff that doesn't actually yeah. matter the little yeah exactly. not as attached to that stuff yeah. it's like i don't care it doesn't matter <clears throat> to me honestly i feel like everything in our life is just purely cyclical like there's a reason why the mar- the stock market's cyclical i think that our mindset is also cyclical like there's totally like multiple months i'll go through where it's like Trading is the only thing I need to do. I'm focused 100% on this. If I don't make money today, I hate everything. If I don't, you know, like that's three months and then three months go by where it's like, I go into the market and I'm like, I don't even give a shit about trading. I'm going to make money through my Airbnb. I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And it's like, we go through these points where you, you, you have to sacrifice your happiness just so you can get shit done. But then if you stay there too long, you, 
your performance suffers anyway because you're tr- you're relying on happiness for trading and then once yeah. your performance suffers for so long you become desensitized to the result of trading so then you go back and you're like oh i don't even get any happiness from trading at all and then a year goes by when then you start making way more money and then you're like oh wow i never made this much money i'm getting happy from trading again it's just going to keep happening forever and ever <laughs> and ever with bigger numbers and smaller yeah. you know what i mean it's just like mm-hmm. There was an Instagram reel or something that I saw just the other day that was like exactly that. It was about, I forget exactly what he said, but it was like driven people are kind of unhappy, like 90 or feel like they're underperforming 90% of the time. And then there's 8% of the time where you just feel like you're being kicked when you're down constantly. And then there's about 2% of the time where you feel like you're just nailing it. Um, and wow, for me, especially, coffee. I'm like, that is so accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and I'm, true. I'm really working on trying to make that 2% feel a little more like 10% or 20% even if I could. Um, but yeah, that's such a huge point. Um, and I've, I've kind of struggled with that for years. Um, basically since I found profitability with trading, it's like, and especially this year, I've really struggled with that. Um, this is by far my best year of trading yet. But at the same time, I'm seeing so clearly all the mistakes that I'm making. And like, what if I took a little bit more size or like just kept working on that? Um, I know how much more potential there is and also how much more potential I feel like I can do. And it makes it harder to actually feel satisfied, even though I've blown away my best year yet, and we still have three months to go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think I found that video you were talking about. Let me share it real quick. I don't, can you share a sound too? <clears throat> uh, I'm pretty sure your computer sound will, because if we're trading, I always, I always hear the True. trades being made, especially Toby with this like, ding. it's through <laughs> my headphones. I don't know if, uh, no, okay, I don't, I, we don't hear it. No, fuck. Can you... Let me think about this. Oh, wait, share sound. Okay, yeah. Yeah, one, that people have a superiority complex. They believe they're better than others, and they believe that they deserve more than everyone else does, and that they can accomplish big goals. The second thing is that they had crippling insecurity, and which which is a paradox of paradoxes. <laughs> and then the third piece, which kind of adds the beautiful like mix of this, is impulse control. And so they're able to control their actions and focus on a single thing for an extended period of time. You lay out... Th- I love Alex Hermosi. Hey, he's yeah. the best. It's phenomenal. Yeah, he has some good <laughs> mindset stuff. That wasn't the video, but yeah, similar, similar concept. What do you guys feel about that first point, um, like superiority complex? I think, I mean, I don't know. It feels weird to even say that out loud because it's like, do I really think that I'm smarter than most people? And like, when I really deep down think about it, I I definitely do think that for sure. I definitely for sure see average people and I'm like, not average people, just the average human being. And I'm like, yeah. do, do they know that we're like floating on a rock 17,000 miles an hour through space and our galaxy is going 130,000 miles an hour through the fucking infinite universe? And it's like, do they know that like quantum entangled particles can, uh, travel faster than the speed of light? Do they know there's like 10 dimensions that we don't even see and that we're not perceiving them at all? And it's like, 
And I'm like, I don't think they fucking know that. I really don't. I don't think the average person's thinking of shit like that. And I'm like, does that make me better than them? Of course, fuck no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything at all. But in the moment, yeah. it's hard for you to be like, why do I ser- seek out like all of these weird, uh, like causal things about reality and just life and phil- phil- philosophy and psychology whenever most people don't really give a shit or they're just kind of moving throughout their life totally um on autopilot but then Mm -hmm. i always go back to like if you if you're a human being there's i don't for me personally i do not think that any of us are unique and special like after saying all that this is where i end up at the end of that conversation with myself first i'm like oh no one thinks about the universe and then at the end of that conversation i'm like no actually you're not special at all no one in the entire fucking world is unique. No one is special. We all are basically just a product of our environment. And if you yeah. like, I think some people will be like, oh, if you could take my soul out of my body and put it into Hitler's body, <laughs> I wouldn't have been Hitler. I would have known that that was yeah. a terrible thing. No, the fuck you wouldn't. Because whatever happened to Hitler in his life made him Hitler. So it's like, I think that it's stupid for us as humans to be like, oh, my soul would know that like, I'm not you, I wouldn't do something evil. No, we're all totally susceptible to do evil shit, like for sure. And we definitely do it just on a lessened scale now because we're like a little more educated. But I don't know what you guys think about that. Like, it's it's nice for me to think like, oh, I think of all these things that are special that I that people don't think of. But it's like, why do I think of that? It's because my fucking mom is extremely a spiritual person. She loves thinking <clears throat> about space and time and all this shit. And my dad's a businessman. So it's like, the only reason I like thinking of business and being an entrepreneur is because I have my dad. And the only reason I like thinking about space and philosophy and psychology is because I have my mom. If I didn't have either of those two things, I could easily have been just a completely different fucking person that didn't give yeah. a shit about those those things at all. So- yeah, you're definitely a product of your environment to to a large extent. Like I was on Netflix, I was watching like the most dangerous prisons for some weird reason. I just wanted to watch like an episode. I, I watch that stuff now. on YouTube all the time. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, dude, I'm not crazy about like history videos on, on fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so good. Anyway, um, I was watching this and like they were interviewing somebody that was in there, some prison guy. He he was just like someone owed him a bunch of money, and he was like. Yeah, so I went to his house and killed him. And, <laughs> and and they were like, everyone was so shocked. And, you know, I was thinking about that. I was like, and, you know, like product of your environment. So I've had twice now two people steal from me, like sums over $30,000. And, Jeez. you know, at the moment, I was like, I was very pissed off, like to the point where if that person was next to me, think, we'll just say, thankfully they weren't, right? But in, if I compare myself to that person, I, he had a really hard childhood. They were kind of going through his background and everything. He was very susceptible. He was, he grew up in violence to like execute that violence. I didn't really have that kind of upbringing like he did. I had very laissez-faire and like um, passive parents when it comes to violence. Like they didn't really believe in violence. I didn't grow up in that environment. I mean, I boxed for five years and I, I like, I, you know, I enjoy like a good strategic fight. But at the same point, like I'm not in that environment where I'm going to go to that person's house and commit murder because like I like I didn't grow up in that environment that teaches that kind of violence. So like, yeah, maybe there'd be a dispute or, you know, I try to go the legal route. I'm not because the, the downside when I view that kind of action, the downside is much greater than any sort of 
positive feeling of revenge, right? So I just kind of let it go. You know, it is what it is. It's, it's, I can't get it back. And it's only <clears throat> if I'm trying to get even kind of philosophy, right? Um, but yeah, like, I guess to come full circle, like, you're definitely a product of your environment. If I was an abusive family, and I knew that way, you know, <laughs> you know, and like, you grew up under violence, you're maybe dad was a like a white beater or something, you know, like, if, if that's the, your childhood, you're much yeah. more likely to uh, commit those crimes. Do you, right. do you think our um, do you think our history when in childhood influenced us to become or chase uh, trading as a career path that it's somehow jived trading but uh like pretend like whatever walks across your path like trading was just one of those things that happened to be there at a certain point of yeah. our lives that made it and we were really interested i think it could have probably been anything i don't think it's trading specifically um uh, but yeah like we might be very inclined to become kind of take this high risk because we're maybe looking for some sort of maybe it comes back to the superior <laughs> superiority complex i don't know like does everyone have a superiority complex but about different issues because that's that's, that's interesting to think about like i know growing up question. myself i you know like if if we were doing track or something like that i would pretty much like be 100 percent confident i was going to be the fastest and I didn't even know how fast anyone else ran. I just assumed I was going to be the best. And I, that sounds like a really cocky thing to say, but I don't know if that comes from a superiority complex or just because maybe I've already done 10 races in the other schools and I've always won. So I don't know if it's a little yeah. bit of like, I don't, I really don't know. Like, can you earn a superiority complex? Cause like, to be, <laughs> to be honest, like if you're fucking the best in the world, then yes, you are superior period. So right, it's like, like yeah. If I don't know if you're a chick and you're very good looking and everyone treats you a certain way at one point, you learn like what you can get away with, maybe. Or if you're it's really smart, like you learn fake it till you make it. It's yeah, like the fake it till you make it. So, and in some sense, it can work for you, but also against you. Because if you believe that, then um, you're it's actually like uh, what we saw in the video. He's like, it also comes with that insecurity because you're always trying to prop that up. And if there's anything that falsifies that or any sort of inkling that that's not true that you're not the best and you have such a a negative emotional feeling about that mm. so trading is trading <clears throat> would be tough too because that probably explains why we feel so bad uh to the more to the downside than we feel good to the upside yeah so because of those beliefs that we have i think that um with high performing people there is always almost always another issue that comes along with it um like think about michael phelps michael jordan lebron james um like any of the smartest people in the world who are doing the most they all have issues like steve jobs elon musk um there's always other issues going on there is that drive but usually they have so much energy physically or mentally that it needs to manifest an outlet somewhere and sometimes that's productive and other times it comes out in not productive ways um i think that i think that that's probably part of it but yeah um, biggest strength biggest weakness type thing Kind of, I think, yeah. yeah. I, I think that makes sense. Your biggest kind of your biggest insecurity is what drives you to become the most successful in that certain domain. 
Yeah, I think that completely makes sense. Otherwise, if you weren't insecure about it, you wouldn't be working so hard to compensate for it. And you wouldn't be at that level that you would be at because you wouldn't need to put that much intensity in it to become successful at it. That makes sense. Yeah, some something like that. Yeah. I was, I think, I don't know if it was from the David Goggins book or not, but usually someone someone said this somewhere it might have been david goggins but he was like show me someone who's doing something really crazy like you know michael phelps or steve jobs or yeah and i'll show you the lowest point of like an extreme low point that they had you know like if you're gonna go that far you're gonna you've probably had an insane low and you're basically running away from ever being there again. <clears throat> so if you were very yeah. poor, your parents couldn't afford anything, you're going to make sure you're the richest person in the world. So you'll never have to experience that again. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. There's a makes sense. there's a really good experiment where they were using a mouse and they tied its tail to like a, I don't know, just like a measurement device. And it was in a tube and they put like a, some cheese on one side of the tube. And it was like, how, how much does the mouse want to go towards the cheese? And they measured that. Uh, that kind of pressure because, you know, it wanted the cheese, right? But how, how much is it willing to pull? And then they did the same thing where they put like a cat on the other side of the tube. So how how much is the, the, the mouse trying <laughs> to run away from the cat? And the fear was a much bigger driver in how much that animal, so the mouse was willing to push. So fear is a bigger driver than desire. Mm. So, that makes sense to me. Yeah. It's literally survival instincts. Yeah. It was like, yeah. if I go towards the cat, I definitely die. If I don't go towards the cheese, I'll maybe be hungry, but I'll probably yeah. find food again at some point. Yeah. And there's, who knows, maybe there's risk with the cheese anyway. So I'm not going to push it so hard. Mm-hmm. You know? to, to take this uh, to, to branch off of this, you could say that, um, yeah, not to remind yourself not to compare yourself from, you know, one thing to one thing and everybody has their own departments in their life that they're the weakest at and you're stronger or that they're stronger than you in some areas and you're not, or you have, you're more developed in some areas and then they're not. So, you know, if you're going to compare someone, especially in trading, if you're going to compare yourself to someone, you have to also compare the other aspects of your life with their life as well to make it Mm -hmm. a wholesome comparison. Otherwise you're just beating yourself up and it just, it wouldn't be psychologically, I guess, fair in a way yeah 100 it's so hard to compare yourself to others it's almost worthless to do but like what i think one thing i've realized over the last few years specifically is like i have my strengths but i definitely have my weaknesses i know like that's always what we you know talk about strengths and weaknesses especially like in any self-help book but over i feel like it takes a while to actually understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and like to be really aware uh of that like you know just just like five, six years ago, like I would have been very kind of like, uh, like, oh yeah, so entrepreneur, let me start this project. Let me start this project. I can take it all on. I'll do this. Um, but I, I didn't really think like maybe five steps ahead or however many steps ahead thinking, okay, well, I'm really good at X, Y, Z, but I suck at these other things. Let me just, yeah you know, find a team member or kind of outsource that or something like that. I used to just be like, oh, I'll figure it out. It can't be that hard. Mm-hmm. Someone else can do it. I can do it too. Sure. I can, I can probably deliver that, but it's going to take me a lot more time than someone else who like, I don't know, let's say marketing or something that comes really natural to them. While for me, uh, like marketing or like making a certain video is like really 
it's not something I do when I'm bored. Like my brother, for example, he makes amazing videos. He always has, he's always wanted to film stuff ever since we were kids. Not once did like me filming something was ever like my default. I was never interested in that. So it's a big kind of show that like we tend to lean in certain ways. So if you lean into your default mode, your strengths, you can go much further and you just outsource yeah. everything or team up with somebody else. Everything you're like below a six at because it's, mm -hmm. it's a waste of time for you to do. Yeah. That's so hard to do. Like, how do you even... It is hard to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because even... Uh, like, let's say you're good at something. Like, you think you're good at something. Like, let's say I, I I was decent at fucking math and stupid shit like that. I should be a decent trader, right? Like, I should, right? I'm not stupid. <laughs> like, I'm not... I mean, but I can't trade. I, I don't make any money. So it's like... And then... There's also like the lore of obviously trading is much the easiest. It's the hardest easy money in the world, right? <laughs> That's yeah. A good one, yeah. And then hardest easy job. Yeah. And then so like my my little cabin, right? That has taught me so much shit about just the like life and stuff like that because it's like I didn't want to do that at all. I literally only did that cabin just so I could supply income because I knew I was going to take a long time to become profitable at trading. And that's the only reason I did it. And then within literally a month, I make more money in that than I do from all of trading. Obviously, I still need to make $10,000 before I'm break even, but whatever. And then it's like, now, later, now that I did that and I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. I want to do more of that, even though I did it just to make trading easier. So it's like, you'd think I'd be good at trading. I'm not. And then I try to do a cabin. I have no fucking idea if I'm going to be good at that or not. I built like a fucking tree house when, when I was like 10. Like, okay, okay, yeah, that's like, that's not going to make me good at doing something. I did it. It was better. And I get rewarded for it, which is the whole point of what I'm trying to make is if you do something you think you're good at, but you don't get rewarded for it, you eventually stop liking it because that reward is so important. Like trading, even for me now, my whole approach to trading is just completely erase all of the noise. And if it doesn't work, then sorry, buddy, you're not a fucking trader. So it's like, I'm not going to go sit here every day anymore for eight hours watching every YouTuber, every fucking information I can get all this sensory overload. I did that for so long and I got no reward for it that I'm not going to do that anymore. And until I get rewarded for the money I make from trading, I'm probably never going to do that again. So like, that's why I always say now that I think it's better if you kind of just like, don't even listen to any trader and you just lock yourself in a dark room and you're like, I'm going to figure out what works for me in the market by myself. I'll use every fucking indicator possible until I find whatever I like that works. And then if you just do it that way, then it'll probably be a lot better. But it's hard to do something and not get rewarded for it for a very long time. Like that that yeah. shit is tough. Yeah, you, you become resentful towards it. Uh, I yeah. feel you there. It's like, yeah. why, why am I bothering? Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Especially when you can just get a job and just like have a paycheck immediately yep yeah jobs always have such a bad rep but i i don't view jobs actually as a bad thing like i i know a few people that like juggle some freelance gigs or they have like you know a job plus some freelancing or they just have a job and they live their life and they just have so much free time i almost envy that and then they uh <laughs> and it's like oh they have a job and they have so much free time it's so backwards specifically in europe like mind you like yeah. i'm not in america right now and america's a whole different cookie like here, yeah. like i was <laughs> i was time? yeah i was yeah. talking to my friend and she owes she owns this really massive company it's like one of the fastest growing companies now in europe she even met merkel and xyz it's a long story but um she <laughs> she 
she, some of her employees were complaining. They're like, oh, you only give like 28 days vacation. And like, <laughs> like I was, I was like, well, who are these people complaining about that? Mind you, they also get like a month or a month and a half of remote days. And then sick days yeah. is like another unlimited basically. And then like paid sick days. And then there's also like the amount of holidays in Germany is insane. You think America is like, like, you know, American holidays, you got, I don't know how many there are, but in Germany, it's like times two everything. So it's like, I mean, these, these people literally could take four months off of work and get paid for it. And like, you know, have no problems. It's, it's insane. So I was just like, wow. You know, if, and, and then if you like, let's say you invest all, like most of your earnings, uh, you could probably become a millionaire just investing in SPY pretty easily. I would say nowadays, I mean, um, it, it's crazy. I mean, if I, I just did like, you know, back of the neck and calculations and I'm like, man, these people are living pretty good life. Obviously, you know, there's so much more advantages you could have out of trading once you get over that bump. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Like Tom, I totally agree. Like <laughs> simple. Job. If anyone is listening to this shit, just realize that is absolutely only a European thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. not a fucking American thing. You want yeah. to work in America, life balance? bro. America. Yeah, no, no. My parents went to Ecuador to like do fucking ayahuasca and they, all these people were there and they met all these European people. Yeah. Every fucking guy, every person was like, oh yeah, I'm just in, I'm just here for two months. And they're like, what are you doing? They're like, oh, I just work for BMW in Europe or whatever. Just, and they're, and they're like, well, how are you here for two months? And they're like, yeah. they pay me. And my it's parents crazy. like, what? They, they it's pay you crazy. to what? do drugs in, in Ecuador? And you're they're like, yes. <laughs> I, I talk to so many people here in Europe that are like complaining about their job. They're like, oh, we have two months vacation. And like, or like some of these jobs, they'll literally offer you a year sabbatical whenever you That's want. That's what it they're, was. That's what it was actually. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't want to like insult or make their uh, employees feel like they don't have enough me time or something. I'm like, yo, <laughs> this is crazy that's why i always say yeah, if you're yep. just like an average oh joe with a good life move to europe but if you <laughs> want to go like do something crazy like elon musk you have to go to america because you can't do those things in europe it's just it's impossible to start spacex in europe so it's and like you can't get fired yeah yeah you can't get fired oh my god you can't get fired in google google started a branch in france uh, i think it was google and they needed to close it down i think it was in paris specifically and then they were like, holy shit, we can't fire like the 150 employees we hired. And I was laughing so much about this because I had the same problem. I had a company in Bulgaria. We had around, I think, like nine employees at the at the height of this. And first, the holidays were killing me. At one point, nobody was in the office, but it was like, OK, because it was like a you, it was like a Bulgarian holiday, like these two days. And then everyone takes the bridge days off. So it was just like August. It was August. It was just like that, that month. You could just delete it. And then like, um, what was, what was my point here? Yeah. Then I don't, I don't know. It was just getting, it was so frustrating dealing with, uh, yeah, I couldn't fire him. So we couldn't close the company for like six months because, um, you, you just can't, you like, I was like, okay, well, our cash flows are kind of negative at this branch. We want to close it. And it was just like, uh, nope, like six months, you have to at least keep everything going. And I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, what if you don't have money? Like, this is terrifying. So it's just like, yeah, in Europe, you have to do things very slowly because you can make many mistakes that you can't get out of. Well, in America, it's like, you know, move fast, break things, fire people. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> very different philosophies. It's almost <laughs> like an entrepreneurship culture compared to like a, an employee culture. Because like, yeah. you know, if you have to fucking, if you have to wait six months and your company's going bankrupt, 
What the fuck does that mean? You have to continue <laughs> payroll for six fucking months. Like it's I got to pay these people a hundred thousand dollars and they don't, I don't have a company anymore for the next six. Like that's crazy. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary. That's why I was like, you know, if you start a company in a foreign country, just like you, you understand, like there's stuff that you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And Europe in general, it's, it's all about the system in America. It's about the individual, I would say. Oh, look at that cart IPO'd. Anyone trading that? Yeah, I'm right <laughs> on the card. It. Yeah, change of topics. <laughs> Share my screen quickly just so everyone can see it. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to pull it up. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Well, if you want to pull Oof. it up, it's also fine. No, no, yeah. no. Another garbage American IPL. No surprise. Yeah, it's probably way oversubscribed. I didn't look into it so much. Yeah. Let's see what the market cap is. Let's watch yeah. it fly through 39 here to the downside. Wait, what is this company? Instacart. $11 billion company at the moment. Wow, it's basically Bear like get your stuff delivered to your house right away. Like Yeah, yeah. Instacart, yeah. Kind of like Uber here Eats. Here we go, like 38s. Ridiculous. Can you short or no? No, unfortunately. I tried. <laughs> I lost 500 on it going long, but I can't go short. <laughs> this might bottom out at, at one point and then have a nice, well, at one point it will bottom out, right? In theory. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about intraday. Maybe it's going to have a, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it'll have one pop to the upside and then maybe fade. Yeah. Because uh, if everyone is loading up short here, they're, they, there's got to be at some point where they get squeezed out. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> I guess, yeah. You would think so. That's it's what I'm up thirty percent. How does that? Yeah, that's weird. You know what? It's probably because their IPO <clears throat> price was initially going to be it was like thirty-two. I think thirty-two or thirty. Yeah, and then they finally actually opened at thirty uh, or forty-two, roughly. Yeah. So. It, it, like it's oversubscribed so many people want it and they just keep bumping it up whatever it's about to ipo at which is pretty yeah. shady but hmm. man that would suck to just run a company for so many years and then you decide to ipo and you're doing it in this fucking environment oh man imagine the people who were like ipo'd in 2021 or 2020 yeah. and they're like oh dude i sold that shit the second an ipo because i was yep. up ten thousand percent right yeah that was the time <clears> to do it you know that was everyone had to cut basically multiples, cut their valuation. They had to do a down round of financing. It's it's pretty brutal. Uh, it definitely messes up your cap models, but it's probably a good thing. I mean, everything was so overvalued; it was insane. I mean, everything's come down drastically, except yeah, the <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, I'm surprised. I looked at GameStop the other day. It was like still around. Well, they did their they did their uh, split, their stock split, and they're still at seventeen dollars. <laughs> surprised because AMC was like completely way down now. But they did a reverse GameStop split. Was holding up. Have you guys seen the trailers for Dumb Money? No. Oh, is that it's... the new Netflix one about GameStop? Right. Uh. Is it Netflix or is it an actual movie? I don't know. It is about oh. GameStop, though. Yeah, I think it's like a Netflix series. Series. I think I saw it. Oh, okay. It's like a documentary yeah, just, series, docu series. I'm not sure what it is. I saw a trailer for it at the actual movies the other day, but yeah. 
yeah, I'm pretty interested in that and especially how they portray both sides. Yeah, I can't wait to see how they do the Ken Griffin stuff. That'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is a movie. Maybe it's both because there's definitely something on Netflix about um, about GameStop and it's like a mini mini series. But oh. this, yeah, I think that's a different thing. I'm that's sure. something different. Yeah, Dumb Money is a movie. I think. Yeah, Dumb Money movie. It's literally has a hashtag. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> got to That's the bottom cool. of it <laughs> when does it come out i don't oh, know september 22nd oh definitely want to watch oh, that I next week the movie theaters sweet oh it's like an actual movie it's not a netflix thing no there is something on netflix about gamestop i was literally about to click on it yesterday i was yeah. watching the, the trailer on netflix but um this is dumb money is also is something different and it's a movie that comes out on september 22nd i hope it's really fucking good i need another movie to binge i'm too sick of the fucking the big short and boiler room and the wolf of wall street <laughs> holy shit seth rogan bunch of yeah i feel you there so what's everyone's game plan going forward this week anything new different i think we're all a little traumatized <laughs> just keep it tight one of the things i've really been trying to focus on lately is like three strikes and i'm out um which usually means like at least take a pause. Um, just trying to be very mindful and conscious of the trades I'm taking. Uh, it's worked for me the last couple of days or so. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just trying to be real careful and conscious, try to take good trades. Yeah, I'll add to that by saying, I mean, I agree totally the exact same thing here. And for me, I'm trying to implement that through reducing my market exposure. I typically yeah. trade pre-market. So, you know, at 7.30, if there's still nothing moving, I close it. And then I just come back 10, 15 minutes before the market open, refreshed, ready to go. Because if I stare at those charts for two two hours, I know I'm going to yeah. do something silly. And that's what I've been doing lately. So, yeah. Good, Tom. Yeah, I guess for me, um, kind of the same thing that I've, I've been doing is just trying to stay consistent. So uh, this month, I've only had one red day so far. Uh, awesome. But consistent, consistently green. So I just want to keep that up. Um, and when the market does turn around, go back into my goal that I had set last month, was, which was um, trying to have all of my trades, well, not all of my trades, my A-plus setups trades that lead to be at least $10,000 or higher in, in uh, uh, dollar size. And I've been tracking those in Trade Journal um, with the tag $10,000. And... Um, just tracking the metrics with that size so I can see with my own two eyes, my accuracy, my risk reward, how I'm handling emotionally with taking a loss on that side, on that size. And if I'm green on those sizes, then I should be, it, it should build my comfort. It should build my confidence to uh, make that more of a common thing, even in a colder market. So that's what I'm going to be working on uh, when things start to turn around a little bit. That's awesome. That's really cool. I like the idea yeah. of categorizing them so you can actually see like with your own eyes the yeah. efficacy of using exponential sizing. That's that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, rate hike tomorrow. I didn't trade it all today because I looked through all my stats and every single time I ever trade before like a high news event, it's always just terrible trading. I lose money every time. So I just completely didn't even... I mean, I watched the market today, but and I saw one trade. I was like, eh. 
And then it fucking flushed right through it. And I was like, yep, that's why you don't trade the day before mm-hmm. FOMC. But um, <laughs> yeah, just so much more I traded there. once yesterday and that's it. Nice. Uh, also, thanks, Tom, for managing the social medias. If you guys see the shorts on TikTok now, oh, nice. the ones from YouTube, they are, they're on TikTok. Thanks, Tom, for nice. managing that. Yeah, no problem. Tom, are you talking about that one you you told me about? Is that on YouTube or? Uh, it's on YouTube shorts as what five point five right now thousand five point five thousand. I think that's our biggest. Per- I think that I think that's our best performing short so far. So, <laughs> that's funny. Nice. Which one is that? I gotta look that one up. I gotta. I think it's um, uh, let's see here. I can post uh, it in the link below this video. I'll find it. I I can pull it up. Let me pull it up. Must be an older one. I'm scrolling. <laughs> I'm scrolling. Yeah, Tom posts. Just go to most. Just go to most popular. Oh shit! You're right. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. It's the spray and pray method. Yeah, oh, it was it uh, finding your own path in the market. And, uh, who's who's speaking on that one? That's Me. Colby. Oh, the fans love Colby. <laughs> Dude, I fucking I'd tell him the truth, baby. <laughs> this shit fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to play? Do you want to play it? I'll play it. Yeah. Let's see. Fact that I stand by the fact that if you literally just put yourself in a black room and it was just locked in there for three years. Yeah. You would absolutely be a million times better than if you could see how everyone else trades and hear all these cliches. Trend is your friend. S, bro. I stand by the fact that. Fuck was that, bro? It's the dumbest short I ever saw. Why the fuck are people watching that shit? Yeah. <laughs> Flashback, like a time that, portal back to that day. Yeah, we, that's what we were saying today, though. That's what you were saying today. Um, yeah, just not looking at other people's uh, trading, and just kind of focusing on yourself. Yeah, but so important. Nice. comparison is only <clears throat> useful to a certain point i feel like um i think that it's definitely helpful and useful to look at people who are ahead of you or doing things differently than you or better than you or where you want to be and kind of think about why they're at that point and what they're doing but as far as like actually comparing yourself to them i think that's when like the benefits and helpfulness stop yeah <laughs> like really oh helpful. he's up he's up one thousand on the day i'm up a yeah. hundred dollars on the day oh i'm terrible i mm-hmm. should be up way more than that or yeah or whatever that's just well, yeah, he also that's not good is 10 times your size and he's in a thousand yeah. dollar hole on the month so <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 you gotta reverse engineer it i actually like when yeah. i it gave me a lot of confidence sometimes when i like reverse engineers rick uh rick um ross cameron Cause I'd be like, wait a second. We basically had like the same percent day. He just used like, you know, 200 yeah. on that trade. And like, that's why he made, you know, 20 K. And I was like, wow, I literally just need to size up. But like my stats mm-hmm. are looking good now. He talks yeah. about that all the time too. He made a video, uh, God, it might've been last year. He was maybe last spring. That's why it seems kind of uh, close. He was making maple syrup and talking about how the process of like industrial maple syrup making and that he wanted to emulate 
what they were doing just on a smaller scale and relating it to trading. He is the king of analogies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he has a lot of videos about that. But I mean, it's yeah. the same idea. Look at someone who is successful or doing whatever you want to be doing successfully and figure out what little parts of what they're doing can you start doing too. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't like readjust the scale, it's totally pointless to compare. Like what yeah. Tom was saying, if you're like, mm -hmm. oh, 200K, 20K. Okay, <laughs> who's who's cooler? I mean, obviously the guy yeah. made 200, but like, like- Why do I suck so much? Well, yeah. actually they have like a million dollars that they're trading with and you have about 10,000. So yeah. we're just like going into their past. Like if you go to Ross's first videos where yeah. he's making 2K and you're like, yeah, doing the same trades, you know, now he's making. Yeah, yeah. There are so many videos way back of him making like a $500 day and being super happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a great channel to go back on. I, I do that <clears throat> yeah. sometimes. It's it's an amazing rep, uh, repertoire of videos. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool to see. Yeah. I have like 10 YouTube videos that are just like in my all time best, like mad as money making like 1.2 million. This dude that I follow made like 2 million in trade. <laughs> You know, the Ross videos, like, oh, man, when I get sick of the big short, the Wolf of Wall Street and the boiler room, those are what I'm going to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One day, film coming soon, the Insider Trading Podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, we probably have to call here before it gets too long. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Sounds good. Great conversation. Yep. Good yeah, that was a good one. one. It was great. Hopefully, hopefully people like it. <laughs> <laughs> Please like. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, See everyone in the comments and uh, see you guys in the Discord. Yeah, All right. Boys. Sounds good. good. Take everyone. it easy. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao.